You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. and welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I am being joined by Dr. Danielle Alteris-Serek. She is a nurse scientist and pediatric nurse practitioner with expertise in health services and outcomes research. Her research focuses on healthcare evaluation with a particular emphasis on factors impacting safety and health outcomes, healthcare delivery, and the nursing workforce. She is a senior fellow of the Center for Health Outcomes and Policy Research at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing and a health policy and media fellow at the George Washington University. She is also an active member of the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners, where she serves on the Health Policy Committee. Uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Sarah. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, um, uh, let's start with my first initial question, and how did you get started in the world of nursing? So nursing is actually a second career for me. Um, I did not have a plan to be a nurse, which from listening to some of your past guests, I know that's, you know, some people go that route. Um, but I grew up in a family where we didn't have any um, nurses that were family members, And um, I really didn't know any nurses growing up. So it wasn't something I thought about. And when I went to undergraduate, I did my undergraduate degree at Cornell University and there wasn't even a nursing program there. So it was really not something that was on my radar. I really, you know, when I thought about nursing I think I thought about the nurse at the bedside and kind of that one role. And um, I just didn't see that as maybe being the best fit for me. So I um, studied um, human biology and health policy in undergrad, and I went into um, working in um, global health after graduation. And so I worked for an organization in DC that you know had multiple different initiatives, looking at pediatric survival, um, maternal postpartum hemorrhage, um, HIV/AIDS, domestic violence. So really a broad look at different health issues. And when I was working at that organization, I was working as a a policy advocate. And so I was doing a lot of work, going to the Hill, advocating for funding, um, working with the specific programs on kind of their communication needs, their strategies for advocacy. And it was at that point that I had an opportunity to work with one of the leaders of um, a program that was to prevent postpartum hemorrhage for mothers in developing countries. And she was a nurse midwife who also had advanced training and and, um, a master's of public health and research. And that was really my first opportunity to see how nurses can kind of have a role that's not just 
with one patient and at the bedside. So I've been kind of planning to do this global health, this health policy work. And then I was actually, you know, thinking maybe I would go back to medical school. Um, but after, you know, meeting um, this woman and, and this, you know, really wonderful kind of role model for nursing, I changed career paths and I decided to instead apply to nursing school. And so I found a second degree program. I went back to the University of Pennsylvania. They have a, an accelerated second degree program for nursing. Um, and I did that. And when I applied to the program, I knew that I wanted to be a nurse practitioner and I knew I wanted to work with pediatrics. So I submatriculated. And the other thing I did is I, um, I reached out to one of the nurse researchers there who I had read her work and I really, um, really valued it. And I wanted to be able to work with her. And that was Dr. Linda Aiken in the Center for Health Outcomes and Policy Research. And, um, you know, I had no nursing backgrounds. I had very little research backgrounds, um, but we had a conversation and she said, yes, please come to Penn and please come on as a research assistant in my center. And that was really how my, my nursing journey started. And then they sucked me in for, you know, my master's <laughs> and then they sucked me back in for my PhD. Um, and, and that was kind of, you know, the, that was the beginning of my nursing story. And that's really kind of how I've um, continued on that path today. That's amazing. It's always interesting when you hear uh, how individuals uh, tend to influence us and where our journey takes us and how, like, for example, you know, I, I always tell, tell people who ask, you know, like sort of my career path uh, after leaving the military, I thought I was going to go to uh, PA school. Uh, and then the PA school became like a master's program. And I said, there's no way I'm doing a master's program, right? I'm like, bachelor's is kind of where it's going to be at for me. And then, but along the way, as you meet people, they just pull you back into uh, these arenas where you're like, oh, I could do this, I could do this. So it's it's always interesting. Um, and you mentioned Dr. Linda Aiken and her name actually comes up quite a bit in conversation. So uh, so she's she's had a huge impact on on many lives, I'm sure. Yes, and I, you know, in in working with Dr. Aiken, I really found her for me to be a bridge builder. You know, she kind of she made those connections. So she yeah. brought me into the center and you know brought me on as a research assistant as I was going through my program. Um, and then my plan at the time had been to get the master's, you know, get my NP and be a pediatric nurse practitioner and then get the MPH because, you know, that was kind of the role model that I had seen right. in my global health work. Um, and she was very influential in saying, well, why would you get a master? Why would you get an MPH? Just stay here and get a PhD. <laughs> and then, you know, it's essentially the same amount of time. And then you have the PhD and you can do whatever you want with it. And I had never really even thought about the PhD before that. And so, you know, I really have to, you know, thank her and, and really just acknowledge how instrumental that was and kind of, um, helping to frame my thinking about what nursing was and, and kind of the possibilities within nursing. Because again, I had really never known about this world outside of the hospital. It's, uh, it, you, met, you mentioned a master's in public health um, and I've been talking in my head, I've been talking about master's in public health of me going back and getting a master's in public health. 
I just, I just have a, I'm having a hard time going, thinking of myself back in the classroom <laughs> as, a, mm-hmm. as a student for a couple of years. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, but, uh, but I know some really incredible uh, nurse scientists that have a master's in public health, but, uh, but yeah, I can see how, you know, when there's a PhD or this, I'm like, why not do the PhD? Right? <laughs> why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> Um, so, uh, so you are, uh, to, so you matriculated through rather quickly through this process, uh, how much influence did your background in the world of policy, and I'm going to assume it's quite a bit, influence how you moved forward with your career in the profession of nursing? So I think that it had, you know, to your point, definitely, um, a really strong influence on what I saw as my role in nursing. Um, I was very interested in kind of, um, you know, working in the pediatric landscape and I wanted to be in primary care because of the direct connection you have with families. Um, but then I, I also knew that I really wanted to work at more of a, you know, systematic level and, um, The reason I felt that that was important for me was because I kind of had seen a lot of those gaps that we had. So I was, like I said, I was working in a global health organization, but um, through that, we had a lot of domestic partners. And so I saw where, you know, our systems were not set up optimally to support families. They were not set up optimally to support patients. Um, And so when I got into my clinical practice and I was in the primary care setting, and I would see families and you know children who were in the hospital and then came to me for follow up, and I would just get the sense that you know there was such a complete disconnect between you know what I had a sense of probably what happened in the hospital and kind of where they were and what they thought they needed to do as a next step. Um, and so you know I definitely came to that with like the policy perspective of you know, policy and strategic kind of planning perspective of, okay, where are we falling short? Because obviously we all want to do the best job possible, but the clinicians on the hospital setting think that they're educating and, you know, preparing as best they can. And in primary care, we think we're kind of moving that forward and educating and kind of supporting the family as best we can. But Um, In the middle of this is the family that, you know, what do they need? I mean, we think we're doing a great job, um, but clearly a lot of times there's something missing. So that's, you know, thinking about it from that policy perspective, where do we have systems set up that are really meant to be patient and family centered and, and focused on them? Where do we have resources available to everyone, not just to those that have, you know, the ability to have you know, Wi-Fi access or the ability to have a private doula come to their, you know, their house or a, a baby nurse or those sort of things. How are we supporting those families in some of the most difficult aspects of their life? And so I went back to that global health rule, rule of, you know, you think about all of these challenges that you have and um, you can kind of think about it as a, a pie and you want to you know, you want to um, get a piece of that pie to help support whatever your area is. Is it primary care? Is it, you know, acute care? Um, You want a piece of that pie, but if you're fighting against kind of everyone else who needs some of those resources as well, you're never going to be successful. You need to get a bigger pie instead of, you know, not allowing as many people to eat. 
And that was kind of, you know, that was a theme we talked about a lot um, in, in policy and advocacy is how do we make it so the pie is bigger? So we can give people what they need and not have to fight for, you know, scraps of pie. So that's definitely been something that I've brought to my work. Yeah, that's a, that's a great analogy. I'm always for bigger pie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, in uh, as a as a dessert and as uh, as in like funding and resources, um, so yeah, that's that's a great perspective. Uh, and, and yeah, so from a policy perspective, that's one of my biggest struggles. Uh, I think when I when I when I'm teaching, especially in the undergraduate level, is how do you uh, how do you influence and and. Uh, bring to your students that concept of how policy impacts everything that they do, whether it's at the bedside or in the community and how nursing can really engage in the world of policy, uh, which I do in my nursing leadership quite a bit. It's kind of, but, it's, but, it's, but up until that point, they really don't have that much exposure to things like policy. And uh, so it, it's interesting. Uh, I think we need to do a lot more work uh, with engaging nursing with policy um, at every aspect. Because I know there's nurses that do it, uh, but I don't think enough of, a, enough of us are engaged in the world of policy. And whether making or changing or, or, or sometimes you need to stop policies because they're doing more harm than good. Uh, so, yes. And I, you know, I teach. Um... I do a guest lecture for um, the University of Miami DMP students on the role of the nurse in health policy and advocacy. And I've, um, you know, done similar lectures for different organizations and, um, you know, nurse practitioner groups. And I think one of the things that I try to make sure that nurses know is that you don't need to be a policy expert. You don't need to be an advocacy expert. You know, you don't need to have worked in a global health organization. Truly, your expertise is your, your nursing knowledge, your lived experience, and then the, you know, the policy and advocacy expertise can be for the legislator. What they need is your unique perspective. Yeah. And I think that we often feel intimidated, we meaning nurses, because we don't feel like that's our place. We feel like, you know, it's outside of our comfort zone or we'll be asked a question we don't know. And I think that holds us back. So I always try to emphasize for students or for you know professionals that I'm working with, you don't have to know everything. It's always okay if you have a meeting with a legislator or you're advocating something to say, you know, I'm really not sure about that. Um, but where you have that value added is your lived experience and your nursing experience. And no one else has that. Right. Very, very true. Very true. And, and very sound advice. Um, I think we need to learn as a profession to normalize the nursing uh, role in policy, like from undergraduate level to bedside service line mm -hmm. um, to academia. I think we need to like normalize it across the way where it's just part of what we do, not something that we have to think about in addition to. Mm -hmm. um, so all great points. Thank you. Um, now, what are you, uh, let, let's skip, skip to the present. What are you doing now? Because I saw a couple of fellowships in your bio. Uh, so what are you doing now? And what is, where do you hope? Well, let's just start with that. What are you doing now? <laughs> so I have a few different hats that I wear. Um, I am, um, I direct nursing research for a standalone pediatric organization, pediatric hospital. 
Um, and I also do um, some part-time kind of nurse consultant work for other health systems as well. Um, and then, yeah, so I, I, even though I had the policy and advocacy background, I'm very interested in how I can be a better advocate for, you know, the patients and families that I am able to represent. I have the, you know, privilege to represent as well as the nursing profession. So um, there was an opportunity um, and George Washington University has a health policy and media fellowship. It's open to all nurses. Um, there's a yearly application that goes out. So if it's something that any listeners would be interested in, please go to their website. Um, but this was shared with me um, by a colleague. And so I applied and essentially it's a fellowship to help you as a nurse learn how to engage um, in the policy process in a very professional way. And then the flip side of it is how to engage with media. Because again, that I think is something as a nursing profession, we don't do very often. I mean, of course there have been, you know, the Woodhouse report or Woodhall report. And, you know, the fact that we haven't had any measurable increase in nursing representation in the media for years. And it's in the single digits. Um, so, you know, through this fellowship, I'm kind of learning about that, learning how to engage in a meaningful way and, and share information. That's 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 great. Um, now, um, now I, I'm familiar with the, with the Woodhall study that actually, I think it has a, something like around two percent or less than two percent yes, uh, representation, right? It's it's unfortunately is, very low, and it has been very low for quite some time. Yeah, um, and and uh, I, I you know I'm I'm privileged enough to uh, not only with the podcast, but I happen to know a couple of nurses that uh, have it have sort of a, a connection to uh, TV media where they are uh, tapped into as content experts for medical advice or things like that. Uh, but but overall, uh, looking at who's represented, I was shocked when I saw when the first we started some nurses in the COVID world, when the COVID, COVID first started, that we saw more nurses being tapped into uh, as content experts, but that died off rather quickly. Like within six months, you didn't see any more nurses on TV. They all became physicians all of a sudden. Uh, so, uh, so it's interesting to see that. So this is a this is a great uh, uh, fellowship. I'll go ahead. I, I'm actually familiar with the fellowship. I'll go ahead and put the link uh, on the on the website so people can uh, can take a look and if they're interested. Uh, it's always good to learn not only policy, but how to, how do you, uh, really media becomes a dissemination component that, mm -hmm. that I think uh, as content experts, we need to do more of is how do we, how do we do that? Um, now um, with your, with your current work um, uh, as a researcher um, with a, with a um, service line organization, right? Um, how do you do, how do you think, your, with your, with your uh, fellowship now, how do you see the two uh, uh, complementing each other as you move forward with your career? So I have a little bit of a unique position because I'm a PhD prepared um, nurse scientist, but I went in the non-traditional, you know, kind of path. So instead of going into academia, I'm actually embedded in a clinical setting, um, in an acute care setting. And so, 
you know, in that role, it's, it's really, for me, I think very fulfilling because I get to work directly with the clinicians and, you know, as gaps are identified, um, I get to kind of help guide them through the process of, is this an evidence-based practice kind of a need for that? Is this more of quality improvement or do we actually need to create new knowledge? You know, is there kind of research that's needed here? Um, and then again, going back to that, you know, my experience as a primary care um, pediatric nurse practitioner, I've been on the other side, right? I've seen the families and the patients after hospitalization or the families and the patients who have, you know, chronic health conditions. And they unfortunately spend a lot of time bouncing between, you know, their home settings in the hospital. So I now get to live the hospital and the acute care experience and kind of look at it from that other perspective. So it's, it's been very good because it kind of helps me to bring together the, these different aspects of who I am and, and what I am really passionate about. Um, it, my experience as a primary care NP, I can kind of take that and say, okay, so this is what I saw in the outpatient, in the outpatient world. Um, for our inpatient clinicians, how can we maybe address those issues to make sure that um, we're improving our communication, we're improving our discharge planning, we are making sure that we're taking the, the family um, perspective into account. Um, and then, of course, when I'm working with the nursing staff or the interprofessional teams, um, there are gaps that come up, you know, and then what we can do is we can take those pieces and we can build on them, we can learn from them, um, and we can advocate for things that make sense. So with the, the Health Policy and Media Engagement Fellowship, what I've been working to do is to um, build a stronger relationship with our media and marketing team so that as there are, you know, either accomplishments that we are experiencing in the, um, you know, the clinical setting, or if there are challenges. So for example, the burnout piece, the, you know, nurse staffing challenges and all of those issues, we then have a really good relationship with that marketing and media team so that if we need to, we can pitch these stories to the media. We can get these stories out quickly on our, our social sites so that we can have public interest and kind of have that exposure that we need in order to move an issue forward. So it's been a nice, it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, I, I already had the policy piece, but it's really helped me build the, the media engagement piece. That's, that's awesome. Um, now I have, as you were, as you were talking about your role, uh, something popped into my head uh, where you, you are, you do have a unique role on the service side because most, most PhD prepared nurses tend to go into academia because that's sort of where the, um, the, the niche has been built, right? Mm -hmm. um, we don't have a lot of PhD prepared nurses that are in nurse scientist roles, which I think is invaluable uh, on the service side. How do you see uh, the profession, um, building, building more roles like yours on the service side of the industry. And how do we get more nurses interested in a PhD program? Because the growth of PhD has been fairly flat for the last 
several decades, if not longer. So, um, so how do you how do you see us as a profession kind of switching where the PhD is not only seen as an academic role? So I think in some cases this this is already happening. Um, you know, I, I have seen more and more students that I work with interested in these non-traditional roles. Mm. So I think there's a little bit of an organic kind of um, growth of that type of uh, role and kind of people seeing themselves in that role. One thing I will say is that I don't think there's enough exposure to kind of these non-traditional nursing roles early enough in the, um, you know, the nursing school kind of programs. Um, I think if we only really show nurses in a certain context to our students, that's what they think they, they'll be doing. Um, if we only expose them to nurses who are clinicians at the bedside and experts at the bedside, then they may not even know they can be policy experts, they can be advocacy experts, they can be research experts in academia, they can be nurse scientists embedded in clinical settings. So I think one of the things I would love to see in our education programs is, you know, some sort of um, more inclusive training about what are the multifaceted roles for nurses out there. Um, we don't just have to be in a hospital or a clinic setting. There are many, many places where nurses are needed. And um, I, I think, I'm hoping that that is starting to happen. Um, as far as the nurse scientist role, you know, the, the embedded nurse scientist in a clinical setting, I know for a fact that there are more positions out there than can be filled right now. So it's, you know, it's similar to academia where we have open positions for professors. It's the same thing on the nurse scientist side. Um, and I think part of it is that people don't understand that um, you can use that same research skill set in a different way. So again, in our PhD programs, we very much focus on that teaching perspective. You know, the importance of teaching is, is clearly that is an important thing. And then we focus on research and, you know, that productivity and research. But I again, don't think that we look at these or kind of share these other opportunities with our PhD students. So just a plug, if anyone would like to learn more about the role or, you know, if anyone is ever interested in just discussing what it is that nurse scientists do, I would be happy to connect with anyone because, you know, as a younger um, nurse myself or as someone who was entering the profession, I would have loved to have that opportunity early on. Yeah, great. Thank you for uh, for bringing that up. And I want, and I'm thinking if there's there should be well, not that I think I think there should be more opportunities. Um, I think maybe for uh, service and academia partnerships, where and I think that would also take care of some of the pay gaps between academia and service. So if you have um, uh, medical institutions or, or hospitals or, or, you know, like these large uh, HMOs and things like that, that are partnering with, uh, with academia and paying them. Because I know there's, there's several institutions that, that have like a partnership, but they want 
the academia people to be volunteers, right? They volunteered their time to do research on the service side. And it's always like, why aren't you paying for the knowledge, right? It almost seems, but I think that would be a great way to do take care of some of those gaps in pay and uh, be able to, uh, you know, step forward and say, hey, we have nurse scientists that are helping move our move our X to our Y, right? So moving moving the initiatives forward, moving the research forward and creating those evidence-based practices and doing quality improvements and creating the new knowledge. I think those are all key factors. Uh, and by the way, I thank, thank you for mentioning that you want more uh, of the things that nurses do. Uh, it's actually the primary reason actually I, I created the podcast is because I wanted to expose uh, my nurses to to other to things other than bedside right nothing wrong with bedside love bedside that's where the foundation of all of our knowledge kind of lives uh, and our experiences but um but i use these podcasts in my classroom i have a resource page on my website that i'm actually updating right now uh just because there's new uh uh, uh, essentials out there that I need to. So I have all that stuff sort of built, going to have the, with the new essentials built in. Uh, but I know there's other universities that use my content in their classroom. So, um, so yeah, but there is so much value in us um, sharing what nursing does other than what usually our undergraduate students, even some of our graduate students don't always know, like they know uh, bedside and then they know NP, but it's always that one-on-one -on -one interaction and they don't see themselves as on a global level, right? And I think that's where there's so much more value that we can we can bring to the table where we, we haven't really tapped into that as, as big as I think the profession can, right? That global impact, I think, is key. Uh, so thank you for, yeah. uh, for that. Um, so what do you see in your future as you're, uh, uh, as you're moving through your career? You're still fairly early in your nursing career. So uh, where do you see your future moving forward and what would you like to do? Yes, I am, you know, to your point, I am, um, because nursing was a second career for me, I'm about um, a little over 10 years in. Um, and so I think, I hope that there are a lot of future opportunities for me to learn and grow as a nurse scientist, um, as an advocate for children and families, and as an advocate for the profession of nursing. Um, currently, I have two funded studies, um, one really addressing that gap between what we do on the inpatient or, you know, in the inpatient setting, and then how we are able to support our patients and families as they move into the community. So that's um, that program is called the Baby Steps Program and it's nurse-led telehealth to provide mm. transition of care services to our families um, and infants as they leave the NICU. So that's a funded program by Florida Blue Foundation um, that I, you know, we're coming soon to the end of our three years of funding. So what I really want for that is I want to find a way to continue and expand that work. It's been incredibly successful. We have over a 99% uh, satisfaction rate among the families. Um, we've seen significant decreases in our readmission within 30 days, our emergency care use. So either going to the, you know, the emergency room or doing, you know, an urgent care visit. Um, and it's a really good opportunity, I think, to provide support to families. Um, 
during a very stressful time. And we know during the pandemic, that piece of anxiety and depression that goes along with kind of stress has increased for many, many people. Um, And that sense of isolation, because when you leave the hospital with a baby who's been in the NICU and, you know, may have some underlying health conditions, you have to be really careful about who can be around that baby, who you can be around. And so that kind of um, exacerbates some of those concerns. So what I'd love to see for that is to find some continued funding for that to, you know, grow the scope of the program outside of our one organization and expand it as, you know, either a regional or a national initiative. Um, And I would also love to expand it right now. It's just really focused on the infant and the metrics for the infant, but I would love to expand it to focus on the caregiver as well. And so making sure that we're, you know, assessing that caregiver for signs of anxiety or depression or other mental health needs, and then being able to address that in real time. Because currently, um, we have a system set up there, you know, six months or six weeks postpartum, um, a mom goes and she gets a visit and maybe they assess her for postpartum depression there, but that's with a, a typical, you know, um, birth and delivery process. So for our moms and our families who have infants in the NICU, there's really not any literature that shows how that experience might be different for them because at the six month or sorry, six week time period, their baby may not even be home with them. So how does that kind of impact them differently? You know, they've already gone past that six week visit. Well, now it's two months later, baby's home, and now they're kind of going through some of those transitional um, experiences. And then the other project that that I'm working on is um, some research that has been funded by the Hillman Foundation. And this work is again, focused on that transition piece and supporting our families. And so this, the project is called Impact, um, and it is specifically to provide transition of care services and telehealth services for our pediatric patients and families receiving palliative care and end-of-life care in the home setting. So, you know, a different patient population, but once again, looking at that kind of family as a unit, how are we supporting them? What's nursing's role and what, what is the unique value nursing can bring? Um, and then you know, piloting something to see if we can maybe improve the experience. So that's in just the, we just launched the the program. We're just starting to enroll patients in that. So for the next year or two, I'm going to be hopefully busy with, you know, reaching out to families who could use these services and, you know, really piloting this and seeing um, what the feasibility is and then whether or not it's something that is valuable for, for families. Yeah, uh, all of that really great work, and it's a it's a testament to how uh, not only your work but the profession is able to go above, beyond the four walls of an institution mm-hmm. in ensuring that care continues. Right? It's that uh, because so many people just think of things as their patient got discharged and that's it. While the real test really for the patient begins after they leave the hospital because all the resources kind of, and all the help goes away. And now what do you do, right? Uh, especially when we live in a world where we're not necessarily close to family and those uh, support systems anymore. 
Uh, so all very valuable work. So thank you for sharing that, both of those. And good luck with both of those. Uh, they just sound ama- amazing. Um, anything else you want to share with, with, with our audience as, a, as long as I have you? Um, I guess, you know, just as a takeaway, um, it is Nurses Month, right? And I think it's a great opportunity for us to think about all of the ways that nurses contribute, both you know, at the bedside and in our clinical care, as well as those non-traditional roles. So anyone who is thinking about nursing, I would say, or in nursing and thinking about maybe doing something a little bit differently, I would encourage you just to, you know, use your imagination about what what your role could be. Because I think that um, what I've learned is that there are constantly shifting and changing opportunities and, um, I think nursing is a field where you can really, you can, you can grow and change and you can have a different career throughout your life as a nurse. So just some encouragement and also just a thank you to all of our nurses who are providing really wonderful care um, and who have been working through some really tough conditions over the last two years. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, and again, thank you for sharing your time with us. Thank you for sharing your experience with us. Um, I'm sure there's uh, uh, there's people that, out there that are going to be listening. They're like, ah, I want to do that. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so thank you for uh, joining me today on the RN Mentor Podcast. And don't forget to check out my newest show, The Nurse Vitals PRN, where a panel of nurses discuss the hot topics of today's nursing. Uh, and it will, it's exclusively on my website and on YouTube. Uh, and with that said, have a great rest of your day and we'll see you back soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host, Ali Taya. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.